You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. and think there must be more than this to life are you looking for more joy freedom and purpose in your life this is living a courageous authentic life with your host jennifer monahan many of us may be focused on getting ahead and achieving our goals but we may soon realize that something is missing jennifer was there and now she's here to help you reclaim your personal power find joy and realize your full potential now, please welcome the host of Living a Courageously Authentic Life, Jennifer Monahan. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. We're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. Um, two things have been going around in my mind this week. First is this quote by Hunter S. Thompson that I really, really love. And it is, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. To me, that quote is all about courageous living, taking chances, taking advantage of being alive and doing and experiencing as much as you possibly can and having fun along the way, because what's the point if you're not having fun? To me, a person who truly lives that quote probably won't have many regrets when he's at death's door. The other thing that's been going around in my mind is that spring equinox is next week. It's on March 20th, and this is the day when the daytime and the nighttime are equal. And it marks a shift uh, to the longer days of summer, uh, the shorter nights, uh, warmer weather, etc. To the Mayans, uh, like many cultures, the Mayans believed that the annual cycle of the sun represented a spiritual path of enlightenment, and they could follow this path throughout the year. So for each solar year that began with the fall equinox, there is an opportunity to increase and improve one's consciousness and how one evolved in their life. The sun symbolized the phases that somebody who was speaking, seeking spirit evolution would go through. Starting with the fall equinox, which really represented death and darkness and going within. Uh, the equinox was equal day and night, similar to the spring equinox that we have coming next week. But the days were getting shorter. There was more darkness. Uh, it was getting colder. People would be going inside. Uh, so it was a time of death. They saw the death in the trees and the plants around them. The winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year, uh, it's right before the days start to get longer. It was a time of birth, creation, and awakening. So even though they couldn't actually see plants coming up from the ground yet, because the winter solstice happens in late December, uh, they were able to see that the sun was overcoming the battle with the night, if you would. 
the spring equinox is a time of growth and resurrection. So we're coming back to life after death. The sun is equal to the night uh, and will have the victory over the night as the days get longer and longer. And ancient civilizations, and even today, we can see the spring equinox actually taking effect for folks that are up in uh, Northeast or in the Northern part of the United States, maybe you're seeing crocuses starting to come up through the snow or a little bit of daffodils. Those were the signs for ancient civilization that there was a time of growth and resurrection coming. It triumphs with the summer solstice. This is the longest day of light in the year and that symbolizes ascension and consciousness. So the spring equinox is a visual reminder of the balance of light and dark within each one of us and our need to release our ego so that our true light can shine forth. And that's key. And we'll be talking more about that today. As the days become longer than the nights, there's new life that comes along, uh, new beginnings, growth and resurrection. The spring equinox is actually a very powerful day to set intentions for what you want to accomplish. We cannot have resurrection or rebirth or growth without death. Only through death, whether it's a literal or figurative death, can there be growth, enlightenment, and higher consciousness. So this could be the death of the ego. It could be the death of the baggage that we've been carrying around with us as well. Once we let those things go, then we can start to live. So because these two things have been going through my mind, I want to talk today about death and more specifically about how death relates to living in this life and beyond. So call in with your questions. The number here is 866-451-1451. When we think about death and resurrection, let's start first with looking at every major religion in the world. And every single one of them includes a concept of resurrection within it. Uh, in the Christian religions, we have Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus. Islam has the day of resurrection. Judaism, the Hebrew Bible, has several examples of resurrection in it as well, as do texts and stories in Buddhism and Hinduism. So this concept of resurrection, of rebirth after death, is present in every single major religion out there. What I like about death is that death reminds us that time is short, at least time in our physical body that we have right now is very short. The death of a loved one, for example, can be the push or the reminder that we need to finally start living our lives. I have a really good friend who has unfortunately had several deaths in her family within the last uh, six to 12 months. And every single time she says, I'm going to miss this person. And of course, she's sad and grieving. But she says, this also reminds me that I have to start living now. I can't wait until the conditions are purpose perfect. I can't wait until X or Y happens. I have to start right now. I will say for myself personally, I've never really been afraid of dying. Uh, I view it as the next big adventure on my personal journey. That's not to say that I'm ready to go today. Um, but when it's time, I'm looking forward to it because I think it might be a lot of fun. And I've had some interesting experiences that have really validated this perspective of dying being a next big adventure on, on my journey. From a shamanic perspective, death really is merely a transition. Our souls or our spirit, uh, whatever you want to call it, that part of us that is not physical within us, and that's the part that the shaman works with when uh, he or she is doing his work, that soul or spirit evolves to another form, an energy form. In this way, shamanism is similar to a number of religious beliefs, even though shamanism is not a religion, but rather a healing modality. 
So as a shaman, I have worked to help people actually cross over to the other side. So I've worked with those souls and those spirits and help them navigate to get to their next point on their journey. I've met and talked with people that have passed, uh, and actually a number of times they will come forward in shamanic sessions to work with the client that I'm working with, their ancestors or friends or family members that have passed. Years ago, when I was starting out on my shamanic path, I took some training on death and dying and beyond uh, from the shamanic perspective to learn what is death and how does death impact us today. And the class was really great. It was very interesting. I enjoyed it. It was a small group of us. There were maybe a dozen of us in the group, and it was led by an experienced shaman here in the United States. And she started off the class by explaining that when we physically die, we can choose which shamanic world we want to pass into. And for my for folks who weren't on the call last week, I described two worlds. Well, I actually described three worlds that a shaman works in. But when we pass, we have a choice of the upper or the lower world. The upper world is a world that's similar to heaven. It's clouds. There's a lot of human uh, human spirits there, angels, guides, ascended masters, etc. The lower world is a nature-based world. It is not hell. It's a nature-based world with all of the wonderful things that we can think of in terms of beauty in our planet and then some. So there's trees and mountains and lakes and rivers and oceans and plants and flowers and animals. It's a beautiful nature world. And from a shamanic perspective, when somebody dies, they can go to either the upper or lower world. So she actually had us start off the class by taking a journey to see what happens when we die. We were given really strict instructions to not look at our physical body during this journey. And the reason for that was that we, she didn't want us to see how we were going to die and how old or about what age it is that we were going to die. So she said, okay, I want you to do a journey and ask your guys to show you what happens when you go into the upper world. And I outline that in my book, and I'd like to read just a little bit about my experience doing that from, from my book. So my power animal met me at my sacred space and walked with me to the staircase. I went to the upper world alone. When I reached the first level, I walked towards a a large mountain where there were many people milling around, holding large packages. My spirit teacher met me there. I asked, and my teacher said this was excess baggage, things accumulated in life that needed to be released. They could be released in life or in death and then burned and purified. Spirit always works with us on that. We climbed the mountain to the second level where the doors were. I saw countless doors. Each door represented a life lesson. If you opened a door, you could see the life lesson and how you learned it. Most people have a couple in a lifetime. Sometimes it takes multiple experiences to learn a lesson. Sometimes you don't learn a lesson fully in life, but in death you see and integrate all of the lessons. Together they give you a picture of you and your mission. We went to level three, where the soul learns about nothingness. When I merged with the sun or is blown away in dismemberment, this was a journey I described earlier in the book, my teacher explained, I felt and sensed my nothingness. Experiences in life and in death bring a soul to this insight. From there, we went to level four, where the duality of the nothingness lesson was presented. Everythingness and all is one, where the soul feels the connection through life and through death experiences. We were running out of time, so my teacher quickly explained that on level five, the soul goes back to the core, 
to realize the ultimate lesson, which is that the soul is a love being. So that that experience in that journey gave me a lot more clarity about what happens when we pass and go to the upper world. We're going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I'm going to share the journey that I had to go to the lower world. So stay tuned and give me a call at 866-451-1451 with your questions or thoughts. We'll be right back. Dr. Rob Moyer is the director of the Ocean River Institute, and he is passionate about saving the ocean by helping dolphins suffering from nitrogen pollution. Nitrogen is a dangerous pollutant, affecting our oceans, altering ocean ecosystems, and contributing to global warming. The Ocean River Institute provides opportunities to make a difference and encourages people to go the distance for savvy stewardship of a greater and bluer planet Earth. Partnered with organizations from Massachusetts to Florida, Alaska to the Caribbean, the Ocean River Institute's mission is to foster involvement in conservation and environmental monitoring by facilitating grassroots efforts at local and regional levels. Hello, I'm Rob Moyer of the Ocean River Institute. Please visit our website at oceanriver.org. Sign up for free e-alerts. You may call us at 617-661-6647. Our email address is info at Ocean River. Become informed and then act with us. Thank you. And we're back. I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan, and we're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. You're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. And today we're talking about death and how it relates to living. As a reminder, you can call in with your questions and thoughts, 866-451-1451. Just before the break, I shared a shamanic journey uh, that I took a number of years ago to learn what happens after we die and specifically what happens after we die if we choose to go to the upper world. I was in a class on death and dying and this is one of the things that the instructor had us do. The next thing she had us do was have us take a journey to see what happens after we die if we go to the lower world. And I'm going to read a little bit about that from my book, This Trip Will Change Your Life, A Shaman's Story of Spirit Evolution as well. So I started my journey, and my power animal was my teacher. We're in the lower world. We started at level one, and I asked my power animal what happened there. He said purification, and took me to Rainbow Falls. He explained that the falls not only energize you and fill you up, but also purify you. He compared it to washing off the road grime of life. We went into the pool of water and dove down into a beautiful cenote that took us to level two. No one was there but us. I asked what happened at this level, and my power animal had me look at my hand. It was gone. I was completely gone. This was the level of nothingness. We walked through a tunnel down into a cave. The ceiling was filled with bright jewels. Each jewel was a soul, sparkling with love and being. The cave then flipped, and we fell through a hole to level four. This took us out to the ends of the universe, the darkness where all was intermingled. My power animal explained that the process was similar whether a soul selected the upper world or the lower world for their living place after death, and that both worlds lead to the same end point. Some of the key things that I noticed from these journeys, that the experience of the soul is similar regardless of where he chooses to go. I also noticed that there is no duality. There are no labels, no categorizations of the soul. You are not male or female, white, black, or brown, old or young, rich, poor, 
You were not religion A or religion B. You simply were. You were love. And the doors, that concept of the doors that came out during the journey, the fact that we're here to learn life lessons and have many opportunities during this life and future lives, if we choose, to do so. That realization alone helped me see that we put way too much pressure on ourselves and too many constraints on our lives. When in reality, one, we have all the time in the world, and two, we don't have to be perfect. With that perspective, personally, I was able to shed a lot of stress. If you knew, for example, that you could have as many practice hits of a baseball as you needed in order to learn how to hit the ball, would you stress over missing one? That was the kind of release that I had. And here's the really cool thing. So I did those two journeys. You know, I was in that classroom. There were a dozen of us or so in the classroom. We all did our journeys individually. We were not allowed to talk to one another in between the journeys. So after we had done the journeys, the instructor then had us go around the room and share the experiences with the group. And we each shared what we experienced from the upper world and the lower world journey. Amazingly enough, we had all experiences all experienced the exact same phases of death, healing, and rebirth and reconnection to source. Some of the, the finer points might have been slightly different, but every single one of us had seen experiences where we released baggage, where we connected, uh, we saw that we were both nothing and everything at the same time, where we saw the life lessons we were supposed to learn, and then where we connected to source. So for me, that was eye-opening as well, just as a, cert a certain validation that what I had seen and experienced was probably true, which was pretty kind of cool too. We learned a few other things during that class as well, such as how to help somebody pass over, how to find souls that were lost and guide them to either the upper or the lower world. Uh, and we also learned how to connect with people that we knew that had passed. And that was probably the most impactful an emotional aspect of the entire course for me, uh, traveling to meet with a loved one that had passed. I decided to see if I could find my brother. He had passed away a number of years prior uh, at a fairly young age. And I found him and had such an amazing, incredible experience with him. It was like no time had gone by at all. We We sat underneath a tree in the lower world and just chatted like we had just seen each other two minutes ago. He was him. I mean, it was my brother. I knew it was him, but there was so much more to him and so much more depth to him than what I had seen when he was here in physical form. He was pure love. There was no other way to describe it. He just radiated pure love, but yet he had the essence and the traits of the brother that I knew. So it was like a a being of pure love with, with somebody's habits that made him recognizable and familiar to me. And it was from that encounter that I realized that death is simply a transition. Because here was my brother as I remembered him, right? And, and he hadn't gone anywhere. And he had all the memories of the things we had done together, the silly games we had played together as kids, um, things we had gotten in trouble for and things like that. He had all of that and yet was so, so much more. So for me, after that encounter, death really wasn't anything more than having somebody step into another room for a few moments until I caught up and went through that door myself. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't grieve or miss a person. That's natural, right? We will. We'll, we'll, we'll know that 
that time between us being in the same room and then, you know, going to the next room with that person could, could be years, but we can comfort ourselves to know that they really aren't gone. So give me a call at 866-451-1451 with your thoughts and questions around death. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Renaissance woman, trailblazer, maverick. Those are just some of the words to describe Tashandra Poulard, owner and CEO of House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC, a woman minority veteran-owned entertainment company based in Washington, D.C., Ms. Poulard served 10 years honorably in the United States Navy and departed from active duty to pursue her dreams of becoming an entertainment mogul. House of Virgo Entertainment offers script writing, producing, directing, DJ services, editing, and more. They cater to businesses, corporations, college students, working professionals, aspiring artists and nonprofit organizations, and employ veterans of the armed forces. Tashandra Poulard is pioneering the way we view media and taking her brand global. Visit her at www.houseofvirgoentertainment.com or call 281-515-3740 and like her on Facebook at House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact a symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This is Living a Courageously Authentic Life, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. And today we're talking about death and how it relates to living. And we have a caller on the line. Cindy, are you there? I am. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Cindy. How are you? I'm well today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so very much for this topic today. Uh, I am a great fan of the show. And mm-hmm. uh, each week the, the content uh, is incredibly depth, has incredible depth and um, wonderfulness. Uh, this one particularly today, when you announced it yeah, last week, I've been looking forward to, and it certainly has not disappointed at all. It's a great, great topic. Thank you. Thank you. You know, death is one of those things. I I received a text message from somebody just before the show saying, thank you for even covering this because we shy away from it and we, we try to pretend that it's not even there. Correct. That it's not going to happen. You know, regardless. Yes, true. And then regardless of how we've been raised or what maybe traditional um, religious background that we may have grown up in, it, it seems to be exactly what you said, very pervasive that we, we aren't, we shouldn't talk about it. It should be something fearful and it should be something uh, that is taboo to even discuss. Um, and yeah. I appreciated so much how you reread, I've read your book and how well you reread the, uh, the sections where you went into the journey for the upper and the lower worlds. Um, 
uh, I lost my father. Um, I should actually rephrase that. Um, I didn't lose him. He's still here. Uh, he <laughs> he uh, left his physical body a little over three years ago. And But when yeah. he was here in the physical body, um, it was profound to me how much he always talked about, I'm never going to be gone, Cindy. I'm not ever going to leave. I'm just going to mm. be in the next room. And Did he so really say that? It, he truly said that, Jennifer, truly, I will be in the wow. next room. And it was within the first week of this experience on February 7th, 2015, I saw something pop up on Facebook of all places that was a, a piece of writing that was uh, maybe 100 years old that somehow uh, it got sent to me uh, magically, I'd like to think, um, that talked about Speak of me as though I'm still here. Laugh about me the way we did. Remember and speak to me as though I'm sitting next to you because indeed I am. I'm really just in the next room. And he didn't disappoint, my dad. So your words today are are echoing uh, your experience that you had in that class that you talked about. Um, are echoing and, and, and very real to what I have experienced with him, uh, in that next room or on the other side or wherever we might want to call it. He, from the day that it occurred, he left his physical body very suddenly. And that day, that Saturday, uh, it was, I, I, I almost like to relive the day. It helps with my grief, but it also is very Mm -hmm. comforting because he was profoundly communicating with me that day uh, and yeah. my mom too. Um, and yeah. as we, as you would have expected, as anybody would expect, but to the degree that is exactly what you had said in the earlier segment, that there was no more fear of this for me. Yeah. There yeah. had been a fear as a younger person because religiously we're kind of taught sometimes to be fearful or just life teaches you to be fearful, but there isn't that fear any longer. And much like you, I'm not necessarily ready to go today, uh, but there is a a looking forward to it aspect, which you can't really share with that many people because they think you're nuts. You know, you can (laughs) can share it with like-minded people, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the, the only thing for me that, uh, that maybe I'm trying to work on or, or maybe it's not possible, but I, I want to be able to communicate with him more regularly. And it's mm. not like it was in the physical body for sure. I can't pick up my cell phone and call him or text him, but I, I, I'm kind of at his mercy. It feels like because I'll reach out to him to communicate and I don't hear back sometimes mm-hmm. for several weeks, <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes several days, sometimes several weeks, but it's not as quick as my human uh, impatience <laughs> would want yeah. it to be. So I'm trying to learn, and I don't even know where to go to learn about it, that, but I'm certainly connected to you and, and learning all I can from you on this topic. So thank you for today. You, most you are most welcome. humbly. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you know, I, you bring up a really good, you bring up several really good points. One is that we can connect. And I love how, how engaged your father was at the time of, of his transition to help you, right? Because even now it's been three years, you look back at that and it comforts you knowing that he was doing everything he can. Um, from my experience, when a soul passes, they usually hang around their family for, uh, I don't want to say a, a set time of period, but at least a few days, maybe a week or so, maybe through the the services and everything, just to make sure that everybody's okay or as okay as they can be. And 
so they're right there. It's probably a little easier for them to communicate. They're still, I want to say, straddling both worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once they pass over into whether it's the upper or the lower world or into heaven, however you want to view it, um, they're actually busy. You know, they, they go through, yeah. the, the soul goes through this healing process, right? You know, as, as I outlined in the book, you know, there's a release of baggage, there's reviewing of the life, and did you learn the life lessons, and seeing the impact that you had, and how you helped other people, and things like that. So there is a healing process the soul goes through. And then once the soul is done with the healing process, usually they're, quote, getting to work, and it's not necessarily how we view work, but they are active, and they're doing things. So they're busy, one, and communicating when, when you're at a high level of love, such as a, a soul is when they're in the afterlife uh, versus when we're here on our planet, where they're, they're vibrating at such a high level and we're at a much lower level just by the very nature of our human existence. It doesn't mean that we're bad or anything, just but by the nature right. of our existence, it can be difficult to transcend, right? So when I do my shamanic sessions, I go up partway. And I know that the souls probably come down far more than I go up so that we can communicate, right, and talk. So when you when you say that you send your message out and it doesn't come back nearly as quickly as you hope you would get the response, that could be part of the reason why it takes time. Or it could also be that your dad, in this case, is orchestrating things so you get the, quote, signs or the answer that you need when you need to get it. Um, yeah. There are. Yeah, there that are, could very well be. Yeah, yeah. One way that it's easier for us to communicate with our loved ones who have passed is through our dreams. Because when we dream, our soul actually leaves our body and resonates at a higher level. So communication is much easier, which is why a lot of times you you will see a loved one showing up in your dreams and talking with them. Um, Shamanic sessions and channeled writing are, are other ways. We are going to take another quick break here. The number here is 866-451-1451. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about death and really start looking at to how it can help us live now. Stay tuned. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Dapula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. Attorney Renee Marie Smith is changing the way we sell real estate. She wrote a series of books called My Short Sale Guru Guides for all real estate practitioners. Whether you're a homeowner wanting to understand the process, an agent who has been handling short sales for years, or an industry analyst wanting to know how short sales impact your business, Renee uses her vast real estate experience to take a comprehensive look at the recent market phenomena while relaying it in an easy-to-understand format. Through her company, Smith Title Services, Renee has counseled thousands of short sale 
participants and processed in excess of a thousand short sales. Her knowledge is transformational for real estate professionals and laymen alike, and her live presentations provide people the opportunity to ask specific questions about their issues. Buy her books and schedule her to speak at your next event. Visit www.smithtitleservices.com or call 305-705-3428 or email her at renee at smithtitleservices.com. Isn't it time to sell your property today? Learn the My Short Sale Guru way. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This is Living a Courageously Authentic Life, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. Today we're talking about death and how it relates to living. We have another caller on the line. Lane, are you there? I'm here. Thank you, Jennifer. Hi, Lane. How are you doing today? Great show start, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Fabulous. And you were saying during the break that you had a story you wanted to share as well. Yeah, I love this topic because there's so much that uh, I think Cindy was mentioning about our fear of death. What a what a big motivator, probably in the wrong direction, that is for so many of us. But when we hear, uh, when I've experienced stories or, or personal experiences that take that fear away, um, it's really helpful. So one I wanted to share was um, my mother. Um, I had brought my mother to my home. It was uh, in 2007. And um, she was in her last days. Uh, we took good care of her and, and helped her to restore dignity. And, and she, she had been in full dementia before uh, coming to our home. And mm-hmm. in the process of restoring her dignity and respect, she um, miraculously emerged out of the dementia, came into wow. full consciousness. And for about nine days straight, um, continually talked while she was awake at any time. She was awake full days and and uh, just living fully her last days. So I wanted to share with you and your listeners one thing that was just amazing. She, when I would just have one on time, one on one time with her at her bedside, and mm-hmm. um, she w- one time said, "Well, you know, I keep going between here and um, you know the other world." that I'll be in after passing soon. Um, and I'm on the other side right now. What would you like to know? And, and wow. so I had to quickly think of, you know, a question. I said, well, what's it like going between here and there? Yeah. And she uh, paused for a second, and then she shared something very profound. She said, you know, I used to think it was gonna, it, dying was like letting the air out of the balloon. Like everything mm-hmm. just kind of goes away. And I'm totally shocked. It's just the opposite. The passing, going between the worlds, the balloon fills up. It's so expansive. It's so amazing and beautiful. Mm. You're, you're just so expansive. It's putting the air in the balloon uh, that has been let out so you can kind of squeeze into this life that we have. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... And that, mm. that, yeah. that did but. Uh, things into great perspective in her way of uh, being able to share from the other side. Uh, And so things like that uh, for me have been a a tremendous uh, little nuggets that uh, help me get beyond uh, a fear of dying and a fear of death. Yeah, yeah. And how great that she was able to 
one, share that perspective with you, this idea of I become bigger and more of who I am, um, but also just share with you that she was going between the two worlds and was in a place with you where she could trust that you would honor and understand what she was saying. Because sometimes people might think we're a little crazy when we say stuff like that. Um, because we're so right. afraid of of the what happens after we die. So how wonderful for her to have that space. Yeah, well pointed out. That's a very good point. No one's pointed out that in that way before. But, you know, leave it to you to find that uh, angle, yeah. and I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. It's you also are welcome. interesting. The, there's, of course, a, your topic is so pertinent. Um, last night, uh, Stephen Hawking having passed over, is uh, big that. in the news uh, all over the world, and 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 I, I love uh, a graphic that uh, just came across um, my feeds, uh, oh, probably five minutes before your show, was uh, showing you know an empty uh, you know his wheelchair rig um, mm-hmm. in front of a star field with him walking into the star field, and um, and that reminded me of my mother's story, this expansiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it also, beautiful, right? I mean, here's a mind that, a a physical body that was struck down with an extremely rare disease, and yet the soul and the mind continue to come forward and challenge us every single day. And now, you know, thinking about the experience that I had visiting what, you know, the upper and lower worlds after death, how we release baggage. And, and the examples I gave were things like our ego and thing, and, you know, limiting beliefs and things like that. But sometimes the baggage is purely physical, right? And for Stephen Hawkins, yeah. you know, the baggage of the wheelchair, um, while it helped him in some ways, was also something that um, he could release as he passes. And, and I love that image that he was walking probably standing proud and tall and full into the big unknown, basically. Yeah, yeah, the expansiveness. I mean, you talk about living a courageously authentic life. Uh, Here's a man who went 50 years when he was given two years to live. And what contribution did he make to our world by being that courageous? And we all have that kind of, whether we're popular in the news media or not, who cares? We all have that ability to go beyond the fear of, of death and, and see it as something completely different and then make yeah. just tremendous, tremendous contributions for whatever our purpose is in this life. Just, to, just I love how you open the show with sliding into the grave and the, yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. way that's one of my favorite quotes too. And, yeah. Well, you know, in, one in thing in that an ironic he... way, I think that's what Stephen Hawking did. I think he did too. And I read an article uh, where he was quoted as saying, I chose to live in the moment and now and make the most of every single moment. And that's really what living is all about. So we are going to take, thank you, Lane. We're going to take another quick break. The number here is 866-451-1451. When we come back, we are going to start taking this idea of death and turning it into living. So stay tuned. The earliest human societies worshipped a female goddess. Little is known about this time because we did not always have a written recorded history. It was around 3100 BC when the Sumerians invented the first written language and everything that preceded this time is prehistory. 
The prehistorical record includes all of women's unwritten history from 30,000 B.C. to the time that men began achieving political power around 3,000 B.C. Male feminist artist Kimberly Berg maintains a strong position in educating and inspiring both men and women through his devotional art to the goddess in all women. Studying their history is paramount to understanding who women were and who they would become later living in a patriarchal society. To learn more about this important time in our history, go to www.isisrising.net. Do you ever wonder why certain things are happening in your life? How to start a business or a new direction? Need answers? Astrologer Bonnie Perbula can help you reveal your true self and gain strength and focus so you can achieve greater joy and success. Working with a natal birth date, time, and location, Bonnie brings out qualities to aid you in getting the best from your life. She can help you unlock dormant traits to bring you greater awareness. Bonnie also conducts public speaking engagements to educate aspiring astrologers on their journey to the stars. A gift artist Bonnie bridges her talents and recently launched a line of Astro Bears uniquely created in colors of individuals astrology charts. She also makes one-of-a-kind necklaces of crystal beads and woven thread. To learn more about the world of Bonnie Prabula, go to BonnieGPrabula.com and for astrology consulting visit AstrologyConsultants.com or call or email her at 808-526-1536 or BonnieGP at AOL.com Welcome back. We're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This is Living a Courageously Authentic Life, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. And today we're talking about death and how it relates to living. Previously in the show, I, I talked about some of the key things that I noticed when I did my shamanic journeys to understand what happens to us when we die. And this idea of no labels, no categories uh, that we put souls in, the doors of life lessons, and the fact that we have many opportunities during this life uh, to learn the lessons, how freeing that was for me. So if we know that we have many chances to learn a lesson, we don't need to put all that pressure on ourselves to learn that lesson perfectly right now. I mean, we can if we want to, and that's great. But if it's a lesson that requires time for us to learn, we have all the work, time in the world to do so. The, the fact is we're not here to be perfect when we are, you know, a quote, imperfect hot mess, that's usually when we have the greatest opportunity to learn our life lessons. So this stress that we put on ourselves to always be perfect, to never make a mistake, to hide it when we make a mistake is something that holds us back more than it allows us to learn the lesson. And it prevents us from being authentically ourselves. We don't have to get things right the first time. We don't have to worry about getting things right the first time. So we can take that stress away, that baggage away. All that stuff that weighs us down, we can let go of. And we have a choice here. We can let go of it after we pass, as, as I saw when I did the journey, where we release our baggage, whether it's at the, the base of the mountain in the upper world or if it's through the rainbow falls in the lower world. All that baggage, all that stuff comes off of us. So we could carry it through this entire life if we wanted to, but we also have the choice that we could release it now or tomorrow or next week. So why not? Why not release it now while we're living? Why not go through life, our human life, our physical life unencumbered? 
we all know how tiring it is to physically carry something heavy, whether it's a, a backpack or bags of groceries or a can of paint, and how wonderful it feels to finally put it down. Our arms are shaking and everything, and just that feeling of release, like, ah, oh, I don't have to carry that anymore. We can do the same thing with our emotional, mental, and spiritual burdens. We can release them right now. Those things, those burdens, our emotional, spiritual, and mental burdens are not who you are. They do not define you. They are just things that you're carrying in this life. So you can release them. And while we're at it, since in death and in spirit form, in our soul form, we're not any of the labels that we use during life. We are not male or female. We are not one race or another or one religion or another. We're not one sexual orientation or another. I'm going to ask, why are we using them when we are in physical form to separate one person from another? Sure, those terms can be helpful in describing an individual. Oh, it's the woman down the hall with the red hair. Okay, great. Now I know to go look for the woman with the red hair down the hall. But to use it to separate us from one another is probably one of the most harmful things that we can do. What we really are, and and it's not only just me saying it, but we, we've heard it from people who have near-death experiences. You just heard it from Lane when he described so beautifully, his mother described so beautifully what it was like to transition between the physical world and the spirit world where, where she became filled up and she was expansive and big and love. What we really are is pure love. That's all we are. It's, it's that simple. We are pure love. We cover it all up with our physical body and the baggage and all of that, but we're pure love. And if I'm pure love, and if you're pure love, and if the woman with the red hair down the hall is red love, real pure love, then why are we separating ourselves? Because we're all actually the same. As a shaman, and, and I will tell you other energy healers do this as well, we work with that love when we do our work. It's this love that allows healing to occur. It's this love that allows creative inspiration to occur. So you'll hear about that from highly creative people. The, the inspiration comes from a source higher than them, and that source is love. So the more that we focus on the pure love, the more we start asking ourselves what really makes one person different from another at our core. Sure, we can point to the color of our hair or our gender or whatever, but the reality is there's nothing that really makes one person that different from another. We have different life experiences. We have different challenges. We have different lessons to learn. And we may have made different choices than some, how somebody else would have made those choices. And sometimes our choices get us in trouble, and that trouble can be anything from a broken bone to losing a friendship to ending up in prison or even sometimes something worse. But, but we are more similar than we are different. And when we can break down that, that artificial boundary that we're creating by denying that we are pure love and that the person next to us is pure love, we hinder not only our ability to grow and evolve, but we hinder the ability of others to do so as well. I believe that our time here on the planet is to rediscover that we are love. It's probably the biggest lesson we all have to learn. And we forget this when we're in physical form. So when we can learn that we are love, then that can change how we live 
and what we live. It removes the fear of death because death really isn't anything more than a doorway, as we discussed. And it becomes more along the lines of how do I live this love today? So when we do all that, it releases us, it frees us, and it allows us to truly live. So Stephen Hawkins said, I begin living in the moment. That's when you're living from love, when you're here in the moment. You don't have the time and the space to come up with all of the constraints, whether it's defining what another person is or isn't, or defining what you are or you are not. I mean, Stephen Hawkins could have said, I'm an invalid. I have this horrible disease. I can't do anything. And he chose to not buy into that and truly live in the moment. And at this moment, this is what he could do. And he did some pretty amazing things in every single moment. Uh, it's not easy to live that though, right? Let's just be honest. The, the baggage and the weight that we carry, the labels, the expectations, they all tie into limiting beliefs and personas that we've taken on since childhood. They tie into whatever we believe about ourselves. And some can be really difficult to see before we even know that they're there so that we can then release them. Loving ourselves and loving others, all others can be difficult when we're weighed down. So we've talked about limiting beliefs and personas before, but we'll, we'll come back in a minute. I'll give you a quick overview again, and then we'll talk about how to move for, forward and pass them. Give me a call at 866-451-1451. We're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. Are you stressed? Is your stress driving you crazy? Do you know there are many ways to relieve the stress? The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic does just that. Reduce your stress plus so much more. Established in 1997, the Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic offers an approach to wellness for those individuals who choose to either utilize appropriate complementary methods to enhance their current medical care or to those individuals who are on their personal journey toward improved health and wellness through the use of therapeutic bodywork, Reiki energy healing, or hypnosis. The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic is owned by Dr. Judy Dean, a registered nurse and board-certified massage therapist and medical hypnotherapist in LaPorte, Indiana. Visit www.spiritwithinmassage-hypnosis.com to see all services offered by Dr. Judy. For a free personal consultation, please call Dr. Judy Dean at 219-326-1380. The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic, 219-326-1380. Patricia Fayweather Harlow is passionate about the environment and conserving our natural resources. She's written a five-part book series for all ages called Rock with Rodney and Party with Perky to Preserve Wildlife, which brings awareness through these vibrant characters on preserving and protecting our national parks and historic landmarks. Harlow has launched a campaign to mobilize green supporters, informing a united front against big oil, big coal, and the Keystone XL pipeline. And she addresses the controversial practice of fracking in books four and five. She's determined to bring greater awareness to the dangers of drilling and running crude oil through pipelines that cut through pristine landscapes. And she empowers readers to take action in keeping America beautiful. To learn more about Patricia Fayweather Harlow and to purchase her books, visit www.patricia-fayweather-harlow.com. That's F-A-Y-E-R-W-E-A-T-H-E-R. And play your part in preserving the landscape that we all share and love. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. 
This is Living a Courageously Authentic Life, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. And today we're talking about death and how it relates to living. And just before the break, I was talking about releasing the baggage, including our personas, which are things we take on as children to help us navigate our childhood and an unknown world, and our limiting beliefs, which are often impressed upon us from an early age by families, religion, culture, and society. And these things actually hold us back and they prevent us from seeing a situation or an opportunity from a different perspective. They prevent us from living authentically. Um, When we release them and when we start to focus on living as a love being and that we're here to learn life lessons to grow and evolve spiritually, what does it do for us? Well, it means we can take risks. We can try something new. We can change our perspective on who we are and what we believe. If we fail or don't accomplish something, we get another chance. We, we walk through life with that, with that perspective. And you, know, you can see that even in the business world. Uh, Thomas Edison, I forget the number. It was like 100 times he tried to make a light bulb and he failed 100 times. And then the 101st time, it worked. And when somebody asked him about it, he said, well, what I learned was 100 ways or whatever the number was not to make a light bulb. So he viewed his failure as just a learning opportunity, which is how we should live. It means when we live as a love being, when we're coming from a place of pure love and choosing to live authentically and courageously and do so without the fear of death, it means that we live from, connect to, and and move forward from the heart. If we start with our heart and with pure love, we're connected to source, And however we want to define that source, God, Buddha, higher power, higher self, however we define that, and helps us move on the right path. It means that we don't need to worry about fitting in or staying in a society-defined box designed to hold us back. As love, and as somebody who lives in the moment, we're much bigger than that. Again, Stephen Hawkins is a great example of that. If we believe all of these things, what it means is that we can live the life that's in our hearts, connected to pure love and the life that our heart and our soul truly wants for us. A life that allows us to grow and evolve now while we're alive so that when it's time for us to die, we can do so knowing that we fully embraced living, knowing that we fully embraced and lived in our own personal power knowing that we were living in a way that was far more conscious and aware than what it could have been if we held ourselves back, if we kept ourselves in a box, if we believed the limiting beliefs, if we believed uh, all the things that society told us we should do or how we should be. Um, I'm going to leave with, uh, end up, wrap up with this story I read last year. It's an article about a man named Daryl Davis. And Daryl is a black man who has made it his mission to befriend members of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, an organization that feels that white people are superior to other races. And what he did, he stumbled on this purpose uh, accidentally uh, when he was playing in a bar and a white man came up to him and said, wow, I've never heard a black man play music like that before. And they started a conversation. And as he talked with this man, it came out that this man was a member of the KKK. And music was their commonality. And as they talked, over time, the white man changed his perspective. That limiting belief that he had around black people was released. And so Daryl then 
made it his purpose to do this. He was living from a place of love. He would find a commonality between them. He would come from a place of love, wanting to understand, wanting to listen and hear what this other person had to say and gradually create a friendship with an individual who is a member of the KKK. As that friendship grew, the limiting beliefs around race that the Klan member had would begin to drop away. To date, this one man, Daryl, has befriended 200 KKK members, and those members have given up their robes because of their friendship with Daryl. It was only because Daryl was coming from a place of love where he was releasing his beliefs as well, uh, limiting beliefs, and seeing the other person as pure love that he was able to make this change and live the life that he was meant to live. So we're coming into the end of the show here. And I, I started off with two points. One was the quote by Hunter Thompson that I love where we're, we're going through life and we, we end it. We're thoroughly used up. We're worn out and we're proclaiming, wow, what a ride. And then this idea of spring equinox, a time of resurrection and rebirth. And so what I ask and suggest is think about the spring equinox and think about how you can use this time to really think about moving closer to being a love being, a person who's living this life from a place of love, a person who's living authentically and in the now without fear of death. I look forward to uh, having you join me next week. Next week, we're going to talk about being versus doing. In the meantime, if you have any questions, give me a call or you give me a call on my cell at 203-494-4769 or email at admin at spiritevolution.co. I'm also excited to announce that I have a new retreat that's starting up in Guatemala on July 14th. So feel free to check that out on my website at spiritevolution.co. We'll be exploring this and other things. Thanks for listening and join me again next week. Have a great week. This has been Living a Courageously Authentic Life with host Jennifer Monahan. Listen each week as Jennifer helps you get down to the core of who you are, discover and connect to your inner spark, and bring that forward consistently and consciously in your day-to-day life. Here on Jennifer Monahan's Living a Courageously Authentic Life. been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company.